Welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford, joined by Felix Fortin-Briand. And the NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Felix, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, doing fantastic. That was a that, honestly, it's a great ad. I might hop on the drafting DraftKings train. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good offer, you know. And I know, you know, we're both big, big NFL guys, so gotta gotta support our teams. You're a Steelers fan, it's unfortunate. I'm a Seahawks yeah. fan. Also, it's okay. Kinda... Yeah, it's okay. We'll we'll make it work. Think it's gonna be a good year for your Steelers. Uh, I think I think so. I think last year they kind of like outperform what people expect them to be, and I think they kind of like go back to reality in a really tough division this year. Um, but I think, I think they can push for the playoffs for sure. And can't wait to see what a healthy big Ben can do for probably one last season for him. One last go around. Yeah. No, it should, should be a good, good season. Looking forward to it. I'm not like overly optimistic on my Seahawks, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. You never know. A rest can work some magic, great receiver core. You never know. Yeah. The defense. <laughs> it's details, details, details. <laughs> Every game's going to be like 40 to 38. As long as you win. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch either way. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good to have you on. Uh, brought you on because today we're going to do our fantasy episode of the podcast. Where we talk about, uh, you know, all the, the fantasy hockey player stuff. Go through the Panthers, some sleepers, some busts. You enter, I forget how many fantasy hockey leagues every year. Uh, probably uh, around 25 to 30. Uh, usually I try to keep it under $1,500 of buy-ins. Uh, I, I tend to at least break even some years, uh, a small profit some years, but it just, it's just kind of something I like to do for fun and keeps me busy with it within the year. Yeah. So there really was no like better person to have on for this episode. I only enter like two leagues for a combined buy-in of like $15. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not, not quite uh, to the, at the same level as you, 
we are in that one league though together, which I, you know, I did win last year. You did win. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I don't want to, you know, and a lot of credit for that does go to some of the Panthers players I had, like, you know, Huberto and Mackenzie Weger. So credit exactly. For that. Yeah. They did wonders for you. They did. I mean, Connor McDavid also helped, but yeah, a tiny bit, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, let's start off. I guess we'll start off. We'll talk about uh, the Panthers. They've made, you know, a couple moves here in the off season. Uh, in terms of fantasy value, who do you think is going to have the best season for the Panthers in that regard? Well, I think if we look at the forward core, the first player that's going to be off the board is has to be Jonathan Huberto. Um, even though you could argue Barkov might have a little bit more of a like point total at the end of the year, I just think Huberto, because of the left-wing eligibility, because of what he brings on the table, power play points and whatnot, I think he should be the first Panthers player off the board close second would be Barkov of course and I don't know if you agree or not with with that take but yeah no I agree and I think like fantasy hockey to me is like a little bit different than like regular like how you'd evaluate players like to me like there's not that many really good left wings Mm -hmm. uh like there's more good centers than there are left wings in fantasy hockey so to get Jonathan Hubert who I would say is one of the best if not like he's up there with Marshawn and Panarin for, for kind of best fantasy left wing. So anytime you could scoop up a player like that, I think you have to go for it. Obviously, no, I think Barkov's going to have a terrific year too. Uh, what do you think? They're, and they're both going to get on you know, power play time. What is kind of your projection for point totals for those two players over like an 82-game season? Over 82 games, assuming they both are healthy, which, you know, we, we pray for and we hope for. Um, I think Huberto, my prediction right now is I have him at 94 points and I have Barkov at 92. Um, so again, with the healthy uh, 25 to 30 points on the power play, uh, I think those guys are, are a lock on the first unit as they should. And um, you could argue they may not play five on five together um, during the year just because of the success they had last year with their uh, different line combination. But that's where I have him at right now. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I'd, I'd agree both of those guys in that ballpark. And the fact that they both play, like, they're probably most likely going to play on different lines. I know Huberto likes playing with, with Bennett on that second line. And a full year of having Sam Bennett as your center versus playing half the year last year with Alexander Wenberg, and no disrespect to him, but Sam Bennett's like a little bit of a level up. Um, could add a bit of a spark there. Uh, any other forwards you think could be valuable fantasy ads for, for people? Well, the, the other interesting player for me is Carter Verhage, right? Um, monster I think year last year. Monster year last year should play a first line with Barkov. But what I'm a little worried about is power play time for him, right? So even though it can get a, a healthy 55, 57 points at five on five, just playing on that top line and how amazing they were, how many power play points can he add, which is the true value between being drafted super late or maybe drafting a little earlier. Um, so that's the the interesting part about Carter Verge, which I think will have a good year, but it's hard to predict him over 60 points just because of that power play exposure. Yeah, like that, that's the tough part. It's like you have like a really, really good top six, all players that, you know, produce really, really well at five on five, but you're only going to have four of them out there on your power play. So which four is that going to be? Could change throughout the year for some of them. Obviously, Barkov and Huberto, you would assume would be locks for, for PP1 every single time. Mm-hmm. But guys like Verhage, Duclair, uh, maybe even Tippett, Reinhardt, uh, Hornquist, there's a lot of different options you could go with. Um, exactly. What about the new guy, Sam Reinhardt? Because that, that's an interesting one because, again, 
first season with the team, hasn't played a game. So, you know, a bit of a question on how he fits in. What do you see his production like from a fantasy standpoint? I'm actually quite, I would say, a little higher maybe than people on Sam Marino. I think uh, when you a guy of this caliber, you, you trade for him, I think he at least gets a shot to play top line, see how it works, and maybe we'll get some some looks on the first power play as well. So I think it's his spot to lose, but I think he will definitely at least start there, get a few looks, and I think it, it can work just because of the talent around that first power play unit. It would be hard for him to kind of like miss that chance, if you will. So I have him pegged around like 65 to 70 point with a, with some PvP one exposure. As you said, it could switch up every now and then during the year, but I think he's going to be a regular on that first unit. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I think he's going to have a terrific year. I think he fits in really, really well on that top line with a guy like Barkov. Like neither of those guys are, are burners, but they're smart players. They exactly. get to the right areas. And then if you have a guy like Verhage on that line, you can skate, get the puck, get them to those guys. Uh, you know, I think that could be a really, really good top line for the Panthers. Um, another interesting player I'm curious to know your thoughts on is Sam Bennett, because he came over from Calgary after doing literally nothing all year and absolutely tore it up in the 10 games he was here and in the playoffs. Uh, and then he signs, you know, the big contract extension. A lot of people questioning whether he can keep that up. We've seen kind of flashes of really good production in Calgary over the years, but it's never been sustained. What do you see uh, him doing for the Panthers next year? Yeah, I mean, I think we were both really hype on him when we watched him play. I think we were both on the Sam Bennett train. Um, oh, how could you not be? <laughs> exactly. You watch, one, if, you watch one Panthers game and you, you're on the Sam Bennett hype train. Exactly. And 15 points in 10 games just kind of speaks for itself, right? It was very, very productive. And I still believe that he gets to play with Uberto just because of how well they were playing together. And that one game he got suspended in the playoffs, I think really, really hurt the Panthers because you could just see how much they missed him in the lineup. All that yeah. to say that I think he plays second line. I think he plays with Uberto pretty much all year, uh, unless something something crazy would happen. And I do think he's one of those guys that could crack the first unit with a Reinhardt, Barker, Uberto, Egglab. Maybe he plays more of a net front role. So sometimes that can hurt like power play production a tiny bit, depending on how they structured it. But I think he's going to get a few looks every now and then. So I, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't get at least a 60 to 65 point next year. So I think that contract was justified. And I think he's going to play um, up to that for sure. Yeah, like I know like when the contract was first announced, like there were some people that were like, oh, this is like has buyout written all over it. And I was like, first of all, it's not like he signed an eight year deal. So like, exactly. let's, let's relax on that. He also signed at 4.4, which if he can do even 80% of what he gave you last year is like well below market value, I would think. And then you look at the guy he came in and replaced in Alex Weinberg and what he's getting in Seattle, which is more. I think it's a great deal. I think, yeah, probably floor would be like 60 points for me for, for Bennett. I think he's going to have a, a terrific year that the chemistry he already has with Huberto mm -hmm. um, getting more reps in. Uh, yeah. I think he's going to be really, really good. Uh, but talk to me about some of the, the, the younger players on the Panthers, some of the, the up and comers. Uh, and if you think any of them are going to maybe break out or what you see from them, mainly like Denisenko, Tippett, and even Anton Lindell. Yeah, no, that's a that's an interesting um, conversation. I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts as well after. Um, it, it just again, the Panthers are deep. They're deep and at front, and it's just it's a, like it's a nice problem to have. It, it's a very nice problem to have, but I would be very surprised if all three are on opening day lineup. Um, 
I would be surprised. I think Tippett um, is at least going to have his luck again on that second line because he was working well with Bennett and Huberto. So I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, give him again the looks and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts there. And then I think Lundell can definitely push for a spot and play a 3C role. Um, but that would leave Denisenko kind of on the outs looking in and maybe waiting on a Orngvist injury. That's something that could happen before it's not in. So I, I would say I'm more confident on Tippett first, um, Lundell second, and Denisenko. But if Denisenko gets to play, I really like his upside. But I just I don't see it at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of more of a wait-and-see approach for him. Yeah, like I think I think like if any of those guys are going to jump up and play in your top six, it's going to be Owen Tippett for sure because uh, he did that last year. And again, I've said it before on the show, I don't think enough people realize how good Owen Tippett was last year, especially towards the end of the year um, mm-hmm. when, when the team was, was really clicking. Um, so I think, yeah, he's, he could have a really good year uh, if he gets into that top six, which would probably mean Anthony Declare coming out of it. Um, Dennis Sengo, player I also really, really like. I'm a big fan of. Uh, you know, he's a smaller player. He's got skill. You know, he's got a bit of an edge to him. But yeah, I don't know really where you'd put him. Because again, it's just it's a numbers game. There's a lot of bodies there, um, so can he take a spot from someone? And then Lindell, I think, is just like the perfect fit for that like third line center spot. There's not a ton of competition for it. Um, his play style, I think, fits really well there. Um, if there, I would say probably not much fantasy value for for Lindell, just because again, like the, he'll probably get sheltered minutes. He's probably not going to see the power play. But if there were a case where there's an unfortunate injury to either Bennett or to Barkov, then he would be a guy who could jump up to, to play in the top six. Um, but right now, I think Owen Tippett is, is the best of the bunch there for, for fantasy-wise. Yeah, I agree. So maybe Tippett you can draft, and then Lundell, then Cinco, maybe you wait on a week-to-week basis, maybe pick him off waivers if they're available, and you see that they slot in the, the lineup. But I don't think I would draft either Lundell or Cinco just yet. No, maybe the late pick if you just want to have him and mm-hmm. you know, you know, the late pick usually I just throw on take a young guy or someone who I think, you know, like it, it's a, it's a late pick, so it doesn't matter. Right? Of course, so yeah, might as well, might right. as well you know, take a guy with some upside, uh, which is why what I usually do. Uh, um, yeah. What about? Um, I'm kind of curious to see first, where do you see Orngvis uh, slot in in this lineup? I'm kind of curious to have your take on that. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to, like it's the third or fourth line for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really depends on who you're playing with. Because the thing with Hornquist is like he's not, he's not, he's not fast, but he's got some grit. Um, so it depends. Like I could see if you want like an absolutely like dreadfully slow line, you could play him with like Joe, Joe Thornton, <laughs> right? Like if that that's what you want to go. But I could see him being on like a line with like Achari and like Vetrano maybe. Uh, potentially, or another guy who like could jump up to. We haven't talked about Mason Marchment, who is just electric. Yeah, and it's just like as of right now, like I don't have like Lombard cracking the top twelve, uh, even though he was electric last year and it was like literally like so fun to watch. Uh, and I have a guy like Marchment sliding on the fourth line just because of how deep the Panthers are. Even though he had success playing with Barkov at times, that's crazy. It's a crazy good problem to have because the Panthers are deep. And oh boy, I can't wait to see uh, what they do this year. Yeah, like that was like a whole like big thing last year. Is anytime they had like an injury in like their top six, they just threw someone else there and they just also played really and, well. And it worked. All it the just time. worked. I don't know what it was, but it just, it worked out. Um, so yeah, like, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about Hornquist. He could still be a power play guy mm-hmm. because he's played that net front his whole career. He's very good at it. That would be where he would get any fantasy value, most likely. Um, one last word. I'm curious what your thoughts are on like Anthony Declare in terms well, of fantasy. Yeah, it, it's very interesting about Anthony Declare because he's one of those guys that I don't, I don't think gets to see like any or very little power play time. Um, He's electric at five on five. He's a speedy guy, um, can always get a cheeky breakaway every now and then. And I think he could be around that 50 point range, but it's really hard for me to put anything over that just because he probably without, like we said, I would like how deep the Panthers are. He probably starts on a third line. He plays with Lundell, kind of like bring the speed together. But I, I, I don't think he's draftable, maybe very, very late because 45 to 50 point is really hard to bypass if you play third line and very little. Yeah. And pass. it depends on how deep like your, your fantasy league is too. Yeah. Right. And the one thing I would add just very quickly is he's a good streamer and a good weekly option because he could very well slot in with Barkov every now and then, and then have a week where he gets like four points in four games and that could win you some weeks every now and then. So that's something to keep an eye because his upside on a week to week basis could be high, but in the season long, it's kind of like wait and see. Yeah, that's the tough part. I was gonna say the same thing. Like he's a streaky guy. Like he'll, he'll go. Like he always plays like pretty decent. But sometimes like the points just are never there, and then sometimes they they all come at once. So it's like if you can get him while he's hot, he can be really really good for you. But when he goes cold, he's cold. Exactly. So he he seems like more of like a mid season add for a week type of player. Yeah, because uh, uh, I remember last year his ice time would fluctuate from sometimes eight or nine minutes a game to 18 when he would play with, with Barkov. So yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, so yeah. He's a, I think he's a skilled guy that will do wonders in this lineup, and I think he's a very good player. Uh, but fantasy-wise, I would I would be cautious. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, let's talk about the defense. Uh, so it's got you know, a few, few players there. Uh, number one, Aaron Ekblad. Coming off the injury... Everything looks good health-wise. Like, he'll be fully healthy for the start of the season. What do you see him doing? I, again, this is going to seem biased because it's a Panthers podcast, but um, no, no, I'm very high. I'm very high. I'm very high on Aaron Engblad. I think I'm very excited to see him just taking the reins of that first season as well because in the past, we've always had Keith Yandel playing there every now and then. And I think he's ready for it. I think his progression over the last few years has just been a steady uh, increase in just how well he played. And I think with him in the lineup, they went against they went against Tampa. But you know, this is a little detail thrown there. So no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. So I think he could very very well be close to the sixty point plateau just because of the power play one exposure. Uh, he's gonna play 25, 26 minutes a night. Um, I have him at fifty seven right now, but wouldn't be shocked at all if he cracks sixty this year. Yeah, which would be very good for a defenseman. And, yeah, I think a big part of it, too, is, like, he, he's going to play, you know, 20-plus minutes a night, and he's going to play with, you know, all those incredibly talented, you know, top six forwards, right? So the points are going to be out there on the ice. And the other thing, I think, is when you're looking at drafting defensemen, one of the things he does really, really well compared to other defensemen around the league is he scores a lot of goals. Exactly. Right? So, you know, he won't be the guy who gets you know the most assists for you. Like he'll get his assists, but if you're looking for a defenseman and you need a guy who's going to score you goals, he would be that option for me for sure. One of those guys. 
100%. So depending on what your lineup might need or different like the settings, he, he's, he's an amazing guy to have. I have him at 1740, the split 17 goals for he assists right now, um, which I think is very reasonable for a guy like Aaron Eichblad um, and should be the, should be very like taking off like the board fairly early. Um, now, curious to see, how do you see the fantasy value of a McKenzie Weger? It's, it's a really interesting one because obviously – when Ekblad went down, he his, his production really took off, um, which was good news for me because I had him in fantasy. Lovely. Right. And it depends. Like, I think it depends. Like, if they're going to play Uyghur and Ekblad together and he's going to be on that top pairing, then, like, the production will be there. I could see, like, 30, 40 points for him. But it, it really is unknown because if they throw someone else there and, like, Uyghur played really, really well on a pairing with Gustav Forsling last year. So if they play that as their second pairing and throw someone else with Ekblad. But just looking at the defense um, and their kind of splits on righty-lefty, I would imagine, like, a righty's going to have to play the left side and that would have to be Mackenzie Uyghur. Yeah, I mean, he's the one who already showed that he, he could do it. Um, and I don't think... Uh... Brendan Montour or Rako Gudis is the kind of guy to slot in on the left side. And I think those two guys are very, very key pieces on the right side. Yeah. Um, so, but we never know. And the one thing we've learned about the Panthers is they always seems to be flexible and they always, they have different things that work. So wouldn't be surprised if they try a bunch of different things as well. Yeah. The other thing is that like, I don't see Mackenzie Weir getting any like power play time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that would, would certainly hurt his fantasy value. Like even if something were, you know, it unfortunately happened to Aaron Akbar or the power play wasn't working. I'm not even convinced he would be the first option to put there on the power play because they have some other guys who, who can move the puck around too. No, I agree with you on this one. I think you would have to probably give like Montour a try or even maybe a Forsling, um, see what they can do. Um, I think Uyghur can still be a relevant like late, late pick. Um, but I think those are the only two defensemen that are going to be drafted just because of the other four are kind of like, not necessarily fantasy relevant unless like your league is very like high on hits and stuff like that and maybe like a Rako Gudis can fit I was gonna in. say like <laughs> look at the D like I, like Rako Gudis like Juleson like Novara like you, you're not gonna draft those guys unless like your league counts hits in which case Radko Gudis is elite it should be top 10 yeah exactly yeah. and uh even for block shots and stuff like that but usually typically hits are not valued as much um so I don't think any of those guys go um, drafted this year. No, I would agree. And then maybe in a deeper league, you could go for like a Forsling or, or a Montour. I'm curious to see what we get from Montour next year because he wasn't here for very long. Uh, I know some people weren't, weren't big fans uh, of his play, but in terms of fantasy, he is more of an offensive guy. I liked a lot of what I saw in the playoffs. Like he's very eager to jump up into plays. If more of those shots go in, you could see a bit of a bump there, but a bit of a risk and I don't know if I draft them in a fantasy league unless it was like incredibly deep. Yeah. Or the only possible option, if you really want to draft him is let's say you already drafted Eggblad in early rounds and it's quite a deeper league and you want to kind of cover yourself in case of an injury, then that would make more sense. Uh, but I, I, I like Montour a lot. And I remember um, during my Anaheim trip, I saw him play and he was by far like the best defenseman. And he was like 21 or 22 at that time. And I always liked his upside, just never really got like a true shot to play on the PT one. And then he played in Buffalo. So um, let's not even yeah. talk about that, but yeah, we don't talk about the, the Buffalo years. No, exactly. So, no. but yeah, so could be a decent late, late. If you have egg I want to cover yourself for injuries. But other than that, I think just wait and see maybe like on a good week, maybe pick him up, but, 
at best. That's what I would do. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, all right, last the goaltending, which is an interesting one. And we were talking about it before we started mm-hmm. recording because uh, we were talking about sleepers and bust. And we had one of these guys as a sleeper and one of them as a bust. I think it mm-hmm. is fairly obvious to everyone who's who in this scenario. Um, yeah. So, so, so if you could pick one of the goalies, who are you taking? I take Spencer Nine. I think that's a no brainer. Anyone would come here and on this podcast and be like, oh, I take Bobrovsky. And I hate the arguments of, oh, you're paying him top dollars. He has to be your starter. I think the Panthers learned the hard way that you don't care about money. You just play your best goaltender and that's Spencer Knight. Yeah. If they really cared about that, Spencer Knight would not have played at all last year. Exactly. And you could even make the argument that if he played earlier, it could have been a different series, but that's a lot of like ifs and buts and we're not going to go there, but. But yeah, would yeah they would have won. But let's go there and be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, like for, first of all, yeah, with no Ekblad and with like no Spencer Knight for the first like four games of the series, you know, they still pushed him to six. That's crazy. You know, crazy. So they, they probably you know they probably sweep if they have those two guys. Honestly, uh, but yeah, like Sergey Bobrovsky, like yeah, I know people make the argument of like, oh, like I'm not sure about Spencer Knight because they're paying Bobrovsky so much, so they're gonna split them or play Bobrovsky more, and it's like. I get the argument of like, you're paying a guy, so you got to play him. I get that when your team sucks, but when you're trying to compete and this team is very clearly trying to contend, I don't think you care so much about what you're paying guys. You're playing the best guys as much as you can. Right. And that would be for me, Spencer Knight, who looked incredibly impressive every time he was in the net, uh, didn't lose in the regular season. And so to me, Spencer Knight, I think would be a great ad for, for a fantasy team. Uh, especially if, you know, he even slips a bit. Some people, you know, maybe who didn't watch the Panthers a bunch last year uh, don't realize that, you know, he's he's very – like, I think they know who Spencer Knight is and know he's good, but they don't maybe know he's as good this early. So he could be a really good pick. Bobrovsky, probably not going to pick him. No, I think that's the thing. In a draft – I do think as of right now, Bobrovsky is probably going to be the first goalie off the board as to why this is almost crazy to me. What? And yeah, I know I've, I've done a very little amount of mock drafts yet just because people are not just buying into the hype just yet. And the season is still about seven weeks away. Um, but yeah, people still like Bobrovsky because of the history, because of his pedigree, because of his you know salary, if you will. And but, I think also because of the team. Yeah, exactly. Right? He's gonna get, if he plays, even if he doesn't play well, they can still win. Yeah. So I think at best for Bobrovsky, if I was trying to defend him a bit, he's going to be like a, Knight's going to be a 1A, he's going to be a 1B. So they will split a decent amount. But I wouldn't be shocked if, let's say, pass away, like, let's say December or so, Knight becomes like a truly emerged starter. And then Bobrovsky maybe gets like 30 to 35 starts in the year. And that's just maybe on a week-to-week basis, if there's a, like a back-to-back scenario and you want to pick Bob, great, go for it. But uh, if I have to draft one of these two goalie, it's definitely night. And I think you can get decent, even amazing value on him in your drafts. Yeah, and if you really want, you could also just draft both of them and be like, oh, fuck it, we're just going to get every Panthers game. Yeah, yeah, you could you do could, that. You and, could do that too. Yeah, no, if you want to pick a tandem and guarantee yourself, what, 50, 51, 52 wins? question yeah. mark but yeah like you could drop both like if Rovsky like drops a bit which you'd imagine he would and then you take him and Knight and then let's say it turns out that Knight's Knight's the guy Borowski's not playing much you can just drop him but it'd be a good way to like ensure you get like the Panthers goaltending duo which like I would highly recommend for him. no that would be a good strategy actually I am really with you on this one yeah so I, I, in terms of like 
if you're going to draft a tandem, that would probably be one of the tandems you draft. Yeah, with uh, with maybe like Varlamov and Sorokin is the only one that I can like come up in the kind of like same kind of category oh, of things. So you're not very high on the Craig Anderson, Aaron Dell tandem in Buffalo? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no one is. Oh, that's brutal. But oh, yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk. Uh, fantasy sleepers. Do you have any guys who are maybe floating under the radar a bit? Uh, you know, not getting enough enough attention could be good late round ads. I have a few on my list too. There might be some overlap because I don't know who you have. Uh, yeah, that's kind of. I'm interesting to either see you react or hear your take on a few of these guys I have. Um, just before we kind of like go outside the league, I think it's kind of like self-explanatory, but I think Spencer Knight was a pretty obvious sleeper for the both of us. Um, I think he can get decent value on him and I think he's going to do wonders. And the other sleeper I have that we, we've kind of like discussed, but not fully is, is Sam Bennett. I think he's people just because he only played 10 games for it as a small market hockey. I don't think they're going to be just as hype as let's say true Panthers fans are, or people that actually watch the Panthers are. But I think he's the he's a guy that could push for that last spot in the first unit. And if he does that and plays with Ubido all year, then I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the year, I'm in April and I see Sam Bennett's stat line is 31 goals, 42 assists, 73 points. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. And I think like, that's like really good value. So yeah, if you're, if you're in a league, maybe you don't have any Panthers fans and you can scoop Sam Bennett up a little later. Uh, I think, yeah, terrific ad uh, because I, yeah, I loved what I saw from him last year. And I'm, I'm not concerned really at all about him falling off the face of the earth. Like I think, yeah, worst case scenario, like 60 points. Yeah. I think his floor is very safe. Uh, like, cause I don't think anyone can literally like push him up this spot. I don't think Wondell, it, I think he's an inch already, but I don't think he's uh, top six ready quite yet. And I think that would be rushing him in a team that's trying to contend not to rush prospects. So I think he's a lock at second C and yeah, I think 55, 60 point is a very, very safe, safe floor. And then if he gets to play PP one, most of the year, he can be close even to a point per game player. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like, let's say you had a league where, where you count hits as a stat. Um, you're not going to find really a center who throws as many hits as Sam Bennett. And exactly. like he can. So that, that could just be another little bit of added value if that's, the way your your fantasy league's designed um so yeah i would agree uh a nice little ad there and then uh i guess if we kind of start to shift around uh, or away from the panthers should i say uh, the first sleeper i want to talk about is jared mccann in okay Seattle. okay i like it i like it um for for two reasons i think yes you could argue that his success with the penguins is because he was playing uh with you know, elite talent, Crosby and whatnot. And he, he, he slotted in on the first unit every now and then, which really helped boost his production. But I think with the Yanni Gord injury that should miss about the first two months of the season, I think he's going to slot in as first C. And I think he's going to play with Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Amberle or a mix of these guys. And I think he could, like, I would, I would think that the public consensus would be he's a 45 to 50 point guy, which is good. But I wouldn't be surprised if he pushed for a 60-point season. And I think, it, especially if he claims that role early, and then Yannick Gordon is kind of forced being a second C, or um, especially if he does well the first two months. But he's going to have plenty of time to get the looks, and I think it could it could pay off a decent amount of dividends. 
Yeah, like yeah, it's a player who has like a real opportunity there to to be in some favorable situations, and a player who's already like pretty decent. We saw him with the Panthers, you know. Like he's not, he's a good he's a good player. Um, yeah, so yeah. I would agree. I think that that's a really good one for a sleeper. I actually have one here, also a Seattle Kraken player. Okay. And I've brought this player up numerous times throughout the podcast as someone the Panthers should go and add. And it's okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, can you, do you think he gets PP1 uh, at the get-go? Or what's your I take do, on that? Well, I, I'm looking at their defense right now, right? And like, who else? Like, like Larson is not going to be on your power play in any situation ever, mm-hmm. right? No. <clears throat> like, like there are other guys, like Giordano would probably be the main competition for it. And then, but really like, that's it. Like, I mean, I like Will Borgen. He seems like a guy who could quarterback a power play, but he's never done it at the NHL level. Mine probably mm-hmm. doesn't even play. So to me, I think Vince Dunn is probably your best bet for PP1 in Seattle. And anytime you can get a guy who's going to be on first power play unit for a defenseman, I think that's good value. No, I, I agree. I actually had him on my list, so I'm glad oh, you bad. had him. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. No, I, I, had a, I had a few uh, backups in case, but I agree. I think Vince Dunn, when your only competition, as you said, is a 37-year-old in Mar Giordano on a one-year contract, uh, I just, yeah. I just wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if maybe Giordano gets to start a few looks, but I think Vince Dunn, uh, at least by probably like December, is going to be like the number one guy on that first buyer play unit. So I agree with your take and just kind of like it's been four years, but you remember like Vegas, like that lineup didn't seem too, too good, but then William Carlson just started popping off. And yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if a fresh start for some of these guys is really helpful. And Vince Dunn was kind of like playing shelter minutes, unhappy with his role with the blues. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes there and just like absolutely like buzzes. All yeah. Like I, I think Vince Dunn's a terrific hockey player. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do there in Seattle with like a real opportunity. Uh, and I think he could be a steal for some fantasy teams here. Uh, who else you got as a, as a sleeper kind of pick. Okay. So I have um, three wingers left on, on my list. Um, the first one is Jakob Verna. And, and, and oh yeah. Well, I know you're, um, I know you're a big Jakob Verna guy. I'm a big guy. Did have 11 points in 11 games uh, with his stints uh, a little uh, last season with with Detroit, and I think with a full year, he's another one of these guys that kind of like never got PP one time because of how, of course, deep Washington was. But he's always been very, very good at five on five. So I think that production, and he probably gets to play with a Dylan Larkin and Tyler Pertuzzi type of line, and which I think all the line could have like decent amount of success, like. Point wise, maybe not plus minus wise, and maybe not the team itself, but I, I think you can get good fantasy value in teams like Detroit just because of those guys. And I think Ravana should play first line minutes and PP one minutes. And if that's the case, I would I have him around 65 to 67 points. And I think the consensus for him would be maybe a 455 to 56 point season. So I have him a good 10 above that, and I'm really high on him this year. Yeah, like the only like the only real concern would probably be plus minus because it's Detroit, but like he's a really good player. He's always been a really good player in conversation. You know, it's like one of those players people bring up is like one of the more underrated players in the game. And so now he goes from Washington to Detroit. Um, the opportunities there for him to be, you know, one of their, their, their big kind of offensive guys. Uh, and the fact too, I think Detroit's a better team than they were last year too. 
right and so i think that that helps a bit uh too just in general like i think you know i, I expect more cider to be on their defense i think he'll be really good up front you know that they're looking okay they had a pious they had a pious yeah. suitor <laughs> It's not bad, but you get Tyler Bertuzzi back. You get Nick Letty. You get um, Nadelkovich. You get probably youth injection from either Cider, maybe a bit of Raymond in there. So I think they're going to be much closer to, let's say, like a 500 team. So sometimes plus minus. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think those guys would be minus 27. I think minus maybe eight, minus nine is definitely a possibility. But I think this team is going to be a little more competitive than they were and play towards maybe a 500 re- records. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I got my next sleeper here. All right. And you, you, you're going to know right away that this is an incredibly biased pick. Okay. Right? Because it's my second team. And it's going to be yes of Pugliarvi. I'm shocked. I didn't see this one coming. <laughs> no, yeah, this is, I was, that's the number one player I wrote down. All right. Uh, give, me, uh, give me your, your speech here. Your okay. Speech well, here, so here's, here's my thanks. First of all. We're talking about like look at the Oilers, right? I know a lot of people are you know talking about Zach Hyman as a sleeper. If everyone's talking about a guy as a sleeper, he cannot possibly be a sleeper. And I think mm-hmm. everyone knows like Zach Hyman's gonna play with like McDavid or Dreisaitl. And you know, and he's got the name value from playing all those years in Toronto. And so all those, you know, people like I well, we have a lot of people in our league who are Leafs fans. So like Zach Hyman will go pretty early because um anyone who's ever worn a Leafs jersey, they they simply have to draft. Um but to me, yes, a Pugliarvi, Um I thought he had a really good year last year uh, playing on the line with McDavid. Like it, you know, it took him a few games to get up to that line, but once he got there, he stuck around. Um, he's got a good shot. He's a big guy, can skate. Um, if your league has hits, there's some value there too. Um, so to me, he's just like a, a good power forward. I think he's going to score close to 30 goals next year. That's my hot take. I think he has it in him. And if that's the case, I think that could be good value. And like, this is like a late, late pick for your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's most likely going to be there unless I'm in your fantasy league because he will not be there. Very um, well. So to me, the only, the only issue, again, would be the power play time because for some reason the Oilers refuse to use him on the power play, even though he would be perfect as their kind of right shot there. Yeah, I agree. So it's really unfortunate. But to me, I think, yeah, if he, you know, he's – if he continue, if he takes another step from when he showed last year, like last year, I think he was on like a twenty goal pace. Um, I think he could be a really like sneaky late late pick for for someone. No, honestly, um, it, it's kind of hard to disagree with this take. To be honest, just because I mean he was a top draft pick, uh, kind of like didn't have the best start to his career, but I think horribly really missed. Yeah. Yes. No, I agree, and um, I think he showed that he was definitely NHL ready. And I think he's also showed that he could play with Connie. And I think that's, yeah. that's a big thing because it's been a problem in the past. So I do think he gets to be with McDavid for most of the year at five on five. You mentioned it, power play could be an issue, but I don't think 30 goals is out of the equation. So no, I don't think it's like, I, it's not like I said 50 goals. Like it's not, it'd be a lot, like it would be a good year for him, but it's not, I don't think it's like unattainable. I agree. Uh, I honestly just agree with that take. I think it was a, it was a good one. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, do you have any other sleepers? Yeah, kind of like one last one. Just um, okay, cool. I have one more. Okay, that I want to mention, and um, it's Capo Caco. Um, oh, of course it is. Uh, Buknevich was traded to uh, St. Louis, uh, as we all know, um, and I do think like he had 17 points in 48 games last year. That's very low. So I don't think the 
public opinion on him would be he's going to break out and, and go crazy. I think maybe people slot him at like 22 goals, 22 assists, the 45-point range kind of thing. I think he can push for 60. I think Kako um, had the terrible first year uh, in, in terms of advanced metrics and whatnot. And yeah, Def- everything was bad. But big improvement from him last year. And I think he gets to play a healthy amount of time with Artemi Panarin at five on five. Don't think he's slotted on the first unit and just because of the success they had with Kreider, Strom, Zibat, Panarin, yeah. and Fox. Um, but I think he would be on this, that second unit. And I just think because of the five on five deployment, I have him at, at, at the very least as a 55 point guy this year. And I think that would probably be a surprise and people wouldn't necessarily agree with that because he had 17 and 48 last year, but I think he's ready to take that next step. And uh, I'm very high on Kako this year. Yeah. I'm actually like, I'm, I'm a bit higher on like the like Kako and like even Lafreniere too. And my main reasoning is that they don't have Dave Quinn as coach next year. And I think he was holding those guys back. And I think with a coach like Gerard Gallant, um, who's had some, some success with younger players. Um, I think both those guys are going to take big steps next year and kind of, you know, move closer to the potential uh, that was seen, you know, when they were those, those high picks. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Kako, I agree. I think he could for sure finish in that range, if not higher. And I think <clears throat> Lafreniere will, will have a good year as well. Um, I was just thinking, so I know I mentioned, I also, I had one more, but I have a couple mm-hmm. like honorable mentions of guys. Yeah, okay. I think could be like sneaky. Mm-hmm. one of them. I don't really think this is a sleeper, but I think he's going to have a monster year and that's Jack Hughes. Yeah, I, I honestly I debated having him, but I the only reason I did not is because I wouldn't be surprised if some people are on the Jack Hughes train as well. Yeah, that's the thing, and like he's the first. Like, I didn't know if I could like call that a sleeper pick, but I think New Jersey's looking good. Like they made mm-hmm. some nice moves. Uh, they got you know they added Tatar, they've added Dougie Hamilton, so they're already a lot better. Um, so I think Jack Hughes could have a really really good year. He got a really really good start to last year too. Um, if he can continue that and, and play up, I think he could be, yeah, a 60, 70 point guy for sure. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. Another guy who I'm interested, um, could be, I don't know if he gets on power play or not, but if he does, um, could be sneaky good in Jesper Bokvist in Columbus. Mm, that's an interesting one. That that's more of a, like a deep sleep. That's a, that's a, that's a yeah. deep cut. That's a, like, a, that, that's more of like a last pick of the draft. Like, let's just, take this young because I, I really like Jesper Bokvist and um, I mean Columbus they're rebuilding they might as well play the young guys right and uh, so I think he's very very good and I wouldn't be surprised to see him you know have a solid year don't know if he would quite like have fantasy value but mm-hmm. just in general I think he's gonna have a good year my yeah. last my, my last sleeper though I'm going I'm going with goaltending okay I'm gonna go with Linus Olmark I like this. I like this a lot, actually. Yeah. I think Linus Olmark, he had a surprisingly good year last year in Buffalo. Probably one of the only players to have a good year in Buffalo other than Sam Reinhart, who's no longer there either. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes, he's going to Boston now. So already wins, right? Wins are there. I mean, you can make an argument like Swayman might push him, but I don't see that really being a factor. I think they, they like you look at the contract he signed, and they signed him to be the guy. Of course. Yeah. Right. So even if like, of course the door's still open for maybe Tuka Rask to return, but very clearly they like, they signed Linus Olmark to be their goalie and he's going to be the goalie behind uh, 
significantly better team than Buffalo, I would say. Um, and so I think, you know, in terms of a guy who can get you wins, uh, you know, and stuff like that in fantasy, I think he could be a, a sneaky good ad. No, I, I agree. I, I think, uh, I think he's going to be their guy. I, I'm, I think Swayman could get 25 starts, maybe, maybe 30 if he pushes for some time. But even if you say Omar gets 50 starts, he can get 35 wins within those 50 starts. That's just that's Boston. Good, yeah. That's just Boston. That's just what they do. And they have a really good defensive yeah. structure. So save percentage should be high. GAA should be low. So he's a good guy. And I agree with your take there. Yeah. And I think he's not like as much of an established name. So like, like guys like Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, Flurry, like Leonard, they're going to be off the board early. Right. And so if you want to maybe wait on a goalie and still try to find some value, I think Omar could be that guy is less of like a, a big name player and get some really, really good value out of him. And I do think he's, you know, a, a pretty solid goalie. So I have yeah. him as, as, a, as a solid sleeper. Do you have any picks for busts? Uh, yeah, I have a couple. Just, just before, just last quickly, two honorable mention, Eli Tolvanen and Jack Ruslovich. Um, I think those two guys Ooh, keep yeah. an eye on them. Uh, they could have a first line, first PP time, both of them, and they could go later than and than expected. So keep an eye on these guys. I think they could do good. Um, now we're rotating over to bust. Uh, again, just kind of like coming back on the Panthers a bit. I have Patrick Ormvis as, as my bust here. Um, I think he's going to go, he's going to be drafted in most leagues. Because, and he had an amazing year last year at four times, almost producing at point per game pace, playing on that first power play unit. I wouldn't be shocked if he loses that first power play unit. As successful as he's been in the past, I think Bennett gets a look. I think Reinhardt gets a look, and he's going to be the odd man out at some times. And because he doesn't have a top six exposure at five on five, he's going to be very reliant on that power play to be relevant. And I wouldn't be shocked if he loses it. So I actually wouldn't draft Ornvist unless he's available at the last pick for some reason. But I think just because of what he's done in the past, wouldn't be shocked if he goes a little earlier than that. But I'm not, I'm not high on Ornvist this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm probably staying away from that. Really, any player of that age is, is a bit, bit of a concern. Um, yeah. My first pick for a bust and it's mostly related to age and he had a good year last year, but I think at some point, at some point age has to kick in. I'm going to say Joe Pavelski. Yeah, no, I, I debated on having him there as well, but I agree. And I'm kind of curious to see where do you see him fantasy production wise this year? Uh, I think I see him like 40 points, 40, okay. 50 points. Like I, I, it's just the age factor. If Dallas is healthier too, he probably gets pushed down a bit. Like he had to really step up last year and he did like credit to him last year, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. Like he's getting up there and I'm not really sold on Dallas as a team, but actually while I'm talking Dallas, I would like to mention a player I didn't have as a sleeper that I probably should have was Rope Hints. Um, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think the guy was a point per game last season. Yeah. And, and no one, no one cared. No but, one cares. Yeah. But, so Rope Hints, if people don't know, like, you know, if they're, he's very, very good, could be a good pick mm-hmm. uh, for someone. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Joe Pavelski, like he could still have a good year, but it's just like I would probably stay away from him just because there's a bit of risk, right? And there are like other guys I think that could have a better chance of producing big numbers that would be in the same range. No, I agree. And age is a factor. And I think he's going to be drafted earlier than he should as well. So just because of that reason, he becomes kind of a bust automatically, even if he has a good year, because he goes too early, 
that could kind of like hurt his value a bit. So I agree with this one. Um, yeah. I have a kind of a very, very spicy bus spin, and I'm going to have to explain myself here. All um, right. Based on the success he had in the playoffs last year, right? Alex Petrangelo Ooh. is to me a, a boss candidate. And here's why. I think he played phenomenal Norris caliber type defenseman last season, especially in the playoffs. Like he was the guy playing on PB1 and he was just all around. And we all know how good he's been in the playoffs before, but this yeah, was just good player. another level. And he was carrying the team on most nights and he was just amazing. Right. But last year during the regular season, Theodore was the guy on PP1. And I think he gets that PP1 back. So therefore, is potential going to have a good year? Of course. But I think he's going to go very, very early in the draft, even probably earlier than Shea Theodore. And to me, that is nonsense. I think Theodore is the PP1 guy. I think potential might get some looks, but I think Theodore is going to take that unit back very, very quickly and going to be the guy for consistently throughout the year and then Petrangelo might come back in the playoff do his thing but for the regular season only I think Petrangelo is going to be overvalued a tiny bit so to me he's kind of one of those guys early that I would I would stay away from because he could be drafted let's say 25th overall but I have him more like in the 40 to 50 range so that's a big gaff enough to call him a potential bust yeah and go I, ahead you can roast me <laughs> no no I, I like the take and I, I want to add like I think Alex Petrangelo too is like one of those players who like He's very, very good. He's a very, very good defenseman. But he's one of those players where, like, he, his real-life value exceeds his fantasy value. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, so, like, his reputation precedes him. So he'll get drafted because he's a big-name player, right? And in real life, he would go, like, in that, like, 25 range. But in fantasy, like, it just doesn't show up. So there's no reason to take him that high. So I think he is just, like, one of those players where very good in real life, not as good in fantasy, right? It's just, like... In real life, Tyson Berry is not very good. In fantasy, he is exceptional. He's a beast, exactly. So like, it's just it's one of those kind of like paradigms where I, so I would agree. I don't think um, Petrangelo really like. I think he'll go earlier than he probably should. My next two, my I have two picks here for busts and their okay. entire rosters, and that's Buffalo and San Jose. Yeah, no, I was going there next. As yeah, well, so. I was like, just stay away from. Them don't draft anyone like honestly like like even let's say the best player out of those two teams fantasy wise would be probably like either like a hurdle or all like olifson maybe but if your league has plus minus you are you are not you can't do it no like 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 there's darlene on like the sabers who like another player who like you know i always i always take rasmus darlene i'm like this year's theory is gonna break out and he not once has done that so I think this year I might just not pick him or anyone else on the Sabres team. Like as much as I love Vinny Hinnestroza, probably not going to do that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like could Dallin still be pushed for 45, 50 point maybe, but like, and if you don't have plus minus, sure, maybe you're available to get him late. But if you do, like, I wouldn't be surprised if you finish the year minus 54 or something like this, this is how bad Buffalo is going to, it's going to be. So I, I completely agree um even though some of these guys are going to be drafted i would not have any buffalo or sharks player on my roster yeah i yeah i think uh, just stay away in general um it's a good advice it's a good advice yeah it's just that's just you know that's our advice just don't pick anyone on those teams uh are there do you have any other bust candidates 
No, that's kind of like uh, pretty much the full extent of, of my list. Um, we could pinpoint players on those two teams, but I think that would just... The whole team just stay away. I, exactly. actually, I, I, I have one more okay. that I want to throw out there because I think... And it's not so much I don't believe in the player, but I don't. But I don't believe in their team either. And I'm okay. going to go Jordan Bennington. Ooh, I like this. Yeah, I just... Not a good year last year. He signed up long-term. Um, I just, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sold on St. Louis's roster. I know they had uh, Buchnevich, that makes them better. Tarasenko is just there, probably gets traded if they can move him. Um, he has like no shoulders anymore. I don't, I think Jordan Bennington, I think people are still kind of like reminiscing about when he led the Blues to the Stanley Cup three mm-hmm. years ago. He has, he's not, he's not that cool. He's not that guy. Right. So no, I agree. I agree. And I yeah. think, I think someone's going to take him early to be like earlier than they should to be their, their goalie. And that's not who I'd want is like my number one goalie. No, and, um, I do think St. Louis could still be a good team, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bennington gets to a very bad week and then they get Vilioso in there and he gets a few starts and that becomes an issue. You don't even know if he's a true starter anymore. Like, I think, I think the Blues is still a playoff team, but I think th- their goalie situation is, is a question mark for me as well. So, um, and he's going to be a guy that would probably go early as well. So I think you can, yeah, that, that, yeah, that was part of it too. Is like, I think he's going to just go early. Like I'm not saying like, I think, yeah, St. Louis is probably like a fringe playoff team for me in that division. Like mm-hmm. obviously like Colorado, uh, is going to be like the number one team there. That's obvious, right? Arizona is going to be like dead last, obviously, most likely. But like, yeah, I think when it, like Winnipeg got better, yeah. Nashville got streaky, and UC Saros is phenomenal. He can steal games. Um, a healthy Dallas could be in the mix. So it's like it's. I think they're like in the in that group outside of Colorado. Um, but I just don't see Jordan Bennington being you know as good as you know he'll probably go in fantasy league so for that reason i'm gonna put him as a bust yeah i I respect that um but yeah i think that is uh that is all we got uh for this episode uh thank you to everyone tuning in listening we'd love to hear from you all about your fantasy sleepers and busts for next year any players were too high or too low on uh love to hear all the feedback um and yeah thank you for tuning in we'll be back on thursday with a brand new episode with maybe Noah, maybe some guests, who knows, to be determined, haven't thought about it. Um, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Barkov to the net, Barkov between the legs, unbelievable!